0: This podcast is sponsored by Bethany House Publishers. Order Carved in Ebony through Baker Bookhouse and save 30% off plus free shipping. Visit bakerbookhouse.com to purchase. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Carved in Ebony podcast, where we give you bite-sized lessons about the 10 incredible women from Carved in Ebony. I am the author of Carved in Ebony, Jasmine Holmes. The little noises you hear in the background are from my youngest, (laughs) Jamie Holmes, and we are here with the beautiful, the illustrious, the intelligent, the English, the Ghanaian, and Trinidadian.
1: (laughs) So many things. Abina, Abina so right. <laughs> it's good to be here again.
0: <laughs> it's good to be here with you. I'm really excited to talk to you about today's person because she is an example of someone that I knew absolutely zero about.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: Like I'm zero. Excited. Before I started learning about her.
1: Nice. We Thanks. are jumping forward a little bit in time if we are thinking that... Last episode, we were in the revolutionary era. Right now, we are at kind of the, you know, America is a toddler. You know, that's how I like to think about it. The ideals are starting to hit the ground. We're, you know, seeing more and more conversation around enslavement, especially because the transatlantic slave trade was closed by the time that we're talking about. Roughly about 1808 is the ending of the transatlantic slave trade, though it did continue to trickle just a little bit. The illegal trade bit. continued, but yes. just to situate us a little bit, we're now in what historians call the early republic or Antebellum America. So, so Philadelphia has about? been born. Yes.
0: Um. Sir Truth has been born. Hmm. I don't think Harry Tubman has been born yet. I don't think so. No, no, no. Harry Tubman has not been born yet. Um. No. And Elizabeth Freeman is still uh, alive. She's mm-hmm. she's she's going to die soon. It is 1803, and Mariah Stewart has been born.
1: Ooh, who's mm-hmm. Mariah Stewart? Mm-hmm. Mariah Stewart.
0: <laughs> now, when we see her name in America, I don't know how it is for you guys, but over mm-hmm. here, when we see M-A-R-I-A, we think Maria. Definitely. Like, it's like the same Trap. Mm-hmm. But it's Mariah. It's Mariah Stewart. And we actually have two Mariahs in this book: Mariah Stewart and Mariah Fearing. And yeah. everybody always asks me, like, people just be trying me. And they be like, how do you know? How do you know that it's and it's it's honestly just because that was how it was pronounced. Yeah. It's just it's just how it was. There was no Mariah mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. British pronunciation of, of that name yet. And so even though when we think about Mariah, we think about it being spelled with an H, Mariah Stewart. Mariah Fearing. We the have learned. I, I had to learn because I was calling her Maria for sure and it was yep. actually Karen Ellis was talking about Mariah Fearing and kept saying Mariah 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 and I was like yeah yeah Mariah that's what totally, I was totally that's, that's, <laughs> that's, <yep>. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna flip it around a little bit differently Abina and today why don't you tell us a little bit about today's kind today's of context? give us some context on Mariah Stewart yes. why do we know who she is what who is why is she important
1: Okay. Mariah Stewart is kind of a big deal. She was a renowned abolitionist in the 1830s and a women's rights activist. who really made a point of calling for Black people to resist enslavement. And her contemporaries were Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, who we'll talk about another time. I love you. Um, I, I I love all of them, <laughs> but because I want to hear mostly from you about why you chose her and what inspires you about her, I'll do my same thing of giving the kind of context of where we're at right now in time. So right here, we're kind of in the 1830s is when Mariah is most active. Would you say that's about right? Yep. Most of her, what she's yes, doing is I mean, around She only them.
0: was active for three years.
1: Exactly. She had mm-hmm. such a short career and yet did so much. So there are a couple of things I just wanted to point out. A, when we talk about abolitionism, oh. 1830s style abolitionism has a very particular tone. If you're interested in further reading about the abolitionist movement, I would definitely recommend Manisha Sina's The Slave's Cause. It's a huge book, but it really goes in depth about all of the different variations of abolitionism. We'll talk about the others later. But what Mariah was really a part of was moral abolitionism, which you'll be, you might be surprised, you might not have heard them defined different ways, but there are different types of abolitionism. And the 1830s was really the peak of abolitionism that was founded in a moral objection and a religious objection to enslavement so think about by the time we get to civil war those aren't the same abolitionists necessarily who are active in the 1830s and even then we're still kind of in the age of manumission being the main idea you know like enslaved people should be set free at the age of 21 we need to do this slowly but surely this conversation is happening in political spheres it's happening in abolitionist groups around the nation but what's really important to understand why it kind of takes off is the rise of the domestic slave trade Mm -hmm. so as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode the transatlantic slave trade closes in 1808 and so where there was this endless supply of people that you could get from the huge continent, that is suddenly gone. And so what we see here that is kind of behind the scenes, you're not going to see it in all primary sources. You have to dig a little bit. What you see is the kind of burgeoning of the, tr- the domestic slave trade, which is the selling of enslaved people from the upper South. So places like Virginia, the Chesapeake region is kind of the most common place to the deep South. So if you've ever heard the phrase, you sold me down the river, that's where this comes from. Enslaved People were bred by their masters. This is where we see when, if you've ever heard about families being separated, children being sold south, those kind of things. This kind of splitting and severing of the Black family is really at its peak in this time because people are able to really make bank on the slave trade within the states of america because the transatlantic slave trade is closed so i think to really understand the abolitionist conversation that's happening at this time and the contributions of mariah we have to really understand what was happening auction blocks are everywhere people are making thousands upon thousands upon thousands i think Roughly in 1835, 1836, we're talking like anything from $232 right through to a thousand in terms of pricing, which I should look up what that is in today's money. But in the 1830s, that's thousands of dollars. So enslaved property is incredibly valuable and it's booming. People are making money. The credit system is booming in America, capital is growing. In America, cotton is king. All those things are kind of going into the conversation alongside fugitives running north and joining abolitionist circles and having these conversations with the likes of Mariah Stewart. Tell us a bit more about her and why you chose her.
0: So Mariah Stewart was born free, actually, in, I believe, Connecticut. By the time in Connecticut was one of those states where, as you said, there was gradual emancipation. Mm -hmm. Um, So by the time Mariah was born, people were no longer being born into slavery in Connecticut. And the people who were enslaved in Connecticut were being freed around the age of 21. And so Mariah's parents had been enslaved. She was not born enslaved. She was, however, an indentured servant. Mm. And so I think it's really important to talk about the difference between slavery and indentured servitude because yep. people get very confused. And so oftentimes, you know, you'll know, you hear people talk about white slavery and Irish slavery. Mm-hmm. That was indentured servitude in, make no mistake, there were incredible abuses carried out Absolutely. in indentured servitude. Because similar to slavery, there was very little legal recourse for people who were indentured servants. However, there was still more legal recourse for them than there was for enslaved people. Yeah. And the idea was that eventually indentured servants would be freed. Whereas in the case of most of the enslavement that was going on at the time, there, there was there, no there was freedom, no, and it mm-hmm. was also, also hereditary in infinitum. So she was an indentured servant for a um, for a pastor. She ended up learning how to read in um, the in his library, and just was very. Had a very distinctly Christian education because Mm -hmm. of her surroundings. And she ended up marrying young. Her husband died and she was cheated out of his, out of the money that he left her Mm. um, by some wily white creditors. But while she was married to her husband, she was kind of immersed into this abolitionist world. They lived... Really close to David Walker, who was another person who I had never heard of until I started researching. That's
1: wild. I never,
0: (laughs) never, I had never heard of David Walker.
1: That's Never. Cra- I, I just assumed he would be somebody that everybody learned about and like controversial figure over here. I, Maybe I they really did. did.
0: I, I didn't. Maybe they did. Maybe other For people sure. did. But I did Yes. Yes. And so David him. Walker, I read his appeal this year and was like, oh, so, oh, so, okay, cool. Just changed my life. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no big deal. And truly like David Walker, the thing that makes him so electric Is that he spoke about slavery like a prophet telling Israel that God is coming for. God is coming for you. And the specific way that he spoke about slavery is actually a speaking technique, preaching technique called the African American Jeremiah. And it's named after the prophet Jeremiah. Um, I have an appendix in the back of my book about the African-American Jeremiah, and because it's really important, it's it's the way that. Mariah Stewart was kind of spoke. It's the mm-hmm. way that Francis Ellen Watkins Harper spoke. It's the way that Sarah Mappas Douglas spoke. It's the way that Sarah G. Stanley wrote. Like, it was a very distinctive Martin Luther King. Okay, Malcolm X. Um, yep. Even James Baldwin, who came, you know, who was speaking a lot longer. There, mm-hmm. There is a certain tone and tenor of, you have not lived up to the promises that you have made, and God is not going to be mocked. He sees. Yeah. And... Mariah Stewart was a really big fan of David Walker and kind of she she described listening to him as like watching lightning strike. It was incredible Mm. to her, which I get it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for three years, she went around speaking. She has three or four really important speeches that are still recorded now. She had a three-year speaking career. She was the first woman in America to speak to mixed, like, black, white, male, female crowds, which is incredible, especially for the time period that she was speaking. And she also wrote for The Liberator, which was funded by James Fortin, who will become really important to us later on. on. She's here here in the North with all of these incredible black minds, and she's speaking her mind. She only does Mm -hmm. it for three years. And then she retires, and she becomes a teacher, And we really don't hear from her again until right before the end of her life. She gets a pension because her husband fought in the War of 1812. And she uses Mm. that pension to publish her writings. Oh,
1: she is incredible. I think especially, especially understanding um, something that I find that I deal with in the university classroom a lot with my students is this kind of notion that the entire North was abolitionist it's not mm-hmm. the case, mm-hmm. um, that it's not the case at all, especially at this point, because it is this moral kind of objection. We're not talking yep. about free soil movement that will come up in the 50s, like any of that. It is exclusively about the section of the population that has a moral complaint about enslavement, but see it as in the way that David Walker does. These are radicals. So we're talking about like <laughs> 1% of yeah. a 1%, you know, yeah. like it's a really, really small population that are experiencing violence as well because of what they believe in. For example, um, a name that some people might have heard of, I know that I did back in the UK, Elijah Parish Lovejoy. Do you know who that is, Jasmine?
0: Mm, vaguely.
1: Yeah. So he was an editor of a Presbyterian weekly newspaper mm-hmm. in St. Louis, and he used it to condemn slavery as sinful, as a sinful institution. And in 1837, his printing press was burned to the ground and he died trying to defend his printing press. And it was burned to the ground by pro-slavery advocates. Uh So this isn't just a one-sided conversation with, you know, abolitionists shouting into the wind. There are people and a majority who really fiercely oppose abolition. So for, for Mariah Stewart to not just be... An abolitionist but to be a black woman abolitionist to dedicate her time to going to mixed audiences to talk in front of both black and white people is huge when we understand the violence and the rampant pro-slavery ideology that was circulating the nation at the same time
0: because she's messing with dollars and cents yeah i mean it <laughs>
1: You can think what you want until you mess with people's money. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Slavery is lucrative, especially Mm -hmm. for a fledgling nation that's Mm -hmm. going. How? How does a nation that just got here become one of the richest, the richest nations in the world? You're in debt to pay because you don't pay for labor. In the words of Alexander Hamilton. In (laughs) Hamilton. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that you should all watch if you haven't seen it oh my gosh that <laughs> the
0: cabinet battle between him and thomas jefferson when they're talking about Brilliant. slavery he's like really really he's like yeah virginia's debts are all paid and hamilton's like i wonder why <laughs> <laughs> how, how
1: could you manage
0: that how could you, how could your debts be paid <laughs> but yeah so it's it's Truly, truly incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I want to point out about Mariah Stewart also is her name's Mariah, not Maria. And there are no pictures of her. The picture that you're going to see that Uh. pops up of her all the time is of a woman named Sarah. Harris and Sarah Harris is really cool she desegregated the Canterbury female boarding school in Connecticut in 1832 so another mm. Connecticut person another person she was younger than uh, Mariah Stewart but born in the same state so you're gonna see her picture pop up all the time when you google Mariah Stewart but there, there's actually no known pictures of her she's one of two women in carved nebony who does not have a picture
1: Hmm. interesting yep, I wonder know. why she pops up instead curious
0: i know right i think the same thing happens with nanny helen burroughs and the person we're going to be talking about next time sarah maps douglas nanny helen burroughs pictures pop up for sarah maps douglas all the time and there's only one known picture of douglas
1: same as last time i might go first but what i did want to say about mariah is you know she had a a career that was three years long specifically in activism so short and went on to do other things but just the fire in her words and the fire of conviction. Mm-hmm. I just, it's it's a similar reason as to why I love a character like John Brown. I'm like, I think we really fear being fierce about things. Yeah, um, being fierce about evil, being fierce about injustice. I think we have kind of been taught to make peace with it. I think, especially as Black people, it's yes. it's there's only so much we can fight all the time so we have to find a way to find peace and move through things but I just was really challenged by her to you know ask what am I fiery about what am I willing to get fiery about what am I where am I complacent where I shouldn't be complacent for myself and for others in terms of advocating for others where do I just let things slide That's something that I really hope people kind of ask themselves as they read this.
0: Yeah, Uh, I think I would echo that. And I would also just say that the shortness of her career, you know, burnout is real. And you can only go as hard as Mariah Stewart (laughs) for a minute. You know, there's so many of these these women and men like even David Walker, you know, died, Mm -hmm. died young. There is a fire and a passion That is different from, say, a Frederick Douglass, right, who has his moments of intensity, Mm -hmm. but measures a lot more. Frederick Douglass wouldn't be like, hey, Pharaoh, here comes (laughs) God to strike you dead. Hope you let my people go first. Like, that's... David Walker that's not Frederick yeah, Douglass and we all have mind. we all have different callings in the conversation and different ways that we talk but this specific subset of that roaring fierce Jeremiah is exhausting it is exhausting yeah. to be on the front lines that hard and that heavy and I'm just so grateful that, sh- that she was for the short time that she had same all right y'all well we are going to talk about sarah maps douglas next time Mm -hmm. but that was mariah stewart for you today hope you guys learned something new got really excited and that you end up reading one of her speeches because wow
1: yeah they're easy to find so go find them
0: and we'll see you next time all right bye y'all bye